scripture and some application. The impetus for this message came a couple, three weeks ago from the video that uh, we had about, um, about creation, about uh, how great God is and, and you know, showing the, his power and some of the workings of God's creation, you know, how that he worked through the uh, designing mankind, brought about life, and uh, it just, it, for me and for us, I hope it gives us uh, a, a more of a picture of who he is, who we are, and strive to be more uh, like him. We're going to be um, looking at two little portions of scripture. It's not going to be an exegetical type message, but we're going to look at uh, what's behind these two uh, verses, or this two sections of verses. Genesis 1.1, we know, says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In John 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You'll notice from those two portions of Scripture, they both end, uh, begin with the phrase, In the beginning. What we're going to be talking about tonight in relationship to this matter of God is our creator and what the, what the world, through evolutionary, heaven, evolutionary humanism, talks about origins and the essence of who we are. It's all about origins. Run out of room. That figures. When it comes down to the basics and the competing theories of creation versus evolution, this is it. Uh, Charles Darwin understood this in titling his world-famous book on the origin of species by the means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle of life. So just quickly so we can more understand about this topic, um, we're going to begin defining what evolution is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll continue. <clears throat> wonderful God, we thank you for the, the wonderful gifts that you've afforded us in creating this wonderful world for us to know and to live and to serve in. We thank you, God, for your quickening hand. We thank you, God, for your chastening hand. We thank you, God, for the wisdom that we can glean and take from your word. We thank you, God, for the comforter who brings solace and uh, encouragement in times of darkness and struggle. We thank, look to you, great God, on your throne. It's in all matters of life and existence that would do, we could be exalt your son and his shed blood sacrifice on cross Calvary. In Christ's name, I humbly pray. Amen. <clears throat> Evolution teaches that all things came into existence through a matter of T time plus C chance plus E energy or matter plus M mutations equals E squared, everything that we know in this existence. This, this unfortunately, this doctrine as we're going to see has become the dominant theory about, about the existence of our world, our universe, and ourselves. It states that all life came from the interaction of non-living chemicals. Uh, it, it fosters what's called an oxymoron, and that they claim that dead things, that life came from dead things. It is an anti-God religion. This molecules to man theory is, is indeed God-damning in its nature and its intent. <clears throat> This book was written by God. What's behind the doctrines of evolution and humanism is a product of the work of Satan. He's ever been, we're going to see in a little bit, he's been ever at work to disrupt God's kingdom, God's people, and he's been very, very effective at, at that. Now, uh, has everybody heard of the... Uh, the, uh, the fairy tale of Little Red Riding Hood. You know about that? 
<clears throat> is, that a, is that depicting a true event? Is that something that's true, really happened? No, not. It's a myth. It's a story. I'll tell you what, evolutionism, natural selection, <clears throat> which is the mechanism by which evolution is said to operate, <clears throat> evolution is a fairy tale for adults. Because that's all it is. There's no truth in it. It's been backed up by the generations of science, falsely so-called, all in the, in the effort to supplant or take the place of responsibility to the divine creator, the Lord God of heaven and earth and all that is. Again, natural selection is the means by which evolution is said to operate. Now, natural selection itself is is the, uh, well, another term is speciation. Natural selection is observable. It is the survival of the fittest. We observe that in, <coughs> in nature. Uh, and it, that in itself uh, is, is just simply the tool that they say that uh, that how evolution began. That's why Darwin uh, <clears throat> titled his thesis on the origin, because what he was trying to do was supplant and take away the teachings of, of God and his word. Also something of note, <clears throat> this, <clears throat> this part here about the mutational effect of the, uh, on, upon, uh, as a factor in uh, natural selection, this was something that had to be added on. This was the original form, the original theory that, that Darwin posited, but they had to add the mutational effect because this didn't work, it just don't work. When their scientists saw that, then they said, we gotta come up with something else. They came up with this. Okay, here's the way this works. Mutations that takes place through uh, procreation genetic activity, <clears throat> it's 99, 0.9% negative. What it does and what natural selection, what the mutational effect does is not make something better. It makes something in 99.9% .9 of the time it makes it worse because what it does is it subtracts information from the genetic uh, code that we were, or the organism was programmed with by God. And so <clears throat> when they try to tell you that, that evolution and natural selection are making things better, they're downright uh, barking up the wrong tree. The Big Bang is said to be the, the, the impetus for, for the creation of time, space, and matter. Uh, <clears throat> and it's, you heard about the Big Bang, okay? Well, where did the, the Big Bang, was supposed to be an explosion that scattered matter and everything uh, out into the, the universe that some said you know, didn't even exist. Well, where did the Big Bang come from? Well, they say that it came from a primordial egg. And then that was, you know, disappeared somewhere and, 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 and exploded and, and brought in uh, everything that we see. And they say, well, where did the primordial egg come from? Well, it came from a quantum fluctuation that occurred and it allowed all this stuff magically, mysteriously to happen. <clears throat> Years ago when I was teaching over here in the Bible Institute, uh, Creation versus Natural Selection, <clears throat> my brother Noah in my class, first time I had a, you know, I've ever uh, sat in a class or taught a class when I was teaching a genius. <laughs> and I asked him about this mathematical construct that, that supported the quantum fluctuation they talked about. Now, you know Brother Noah, he graduated with honors from the university there, he knows more mathematics. He could sit down and dissert to you E equals MC squared. When I asked him how that, you know, how good that that mathematical construct was to support all this, he says it's very shaky at least, at best. So, all these things that, that, that support uh, evolution, natural selection, is based on very, very shaky foundation. We're gonna look at here pretty quick that, <clears throat> that and it, what I'm trying to do 
is that when we go out into the world, the Bible says, but sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And that, in, that includes origins. It includes the God that we know as creator and savior. And when you rub people and you start talking to people about, uh, and most people cleave to, the, to the, the false truth of evolution for their existence, support their existence, and the tenets that it implies. If, if they can't be shaken out of that, they're gonna end up going to hell because they have, they're putting their faith in a belief system that is, in, that is false and in error. error. It, involved, it violates numbers of laws, the first and second laws of thermodynamics. We don't have time to go there. We're gonna look at two, the biogenetic law that says simply that life must come from pre-existing life. This was proven by Louis Pasteur. Uh, he was a, a scientist from 1822 to 1895, and he came up with an experiment. This was in the time when they're just starting to get uh, uh, microscopes so they could look in and start looking at those little one-celled animals and, and bacteria and stuff. <clears throat> and they still, most scientists still then believed in spontaneous generation of life and matter. They believed in essence of that creation was, was uh, continually going on. Well, Louis Pasteur, he performed a, set up an experiment with that, that proved, I'd like to show and show you how what he did. It was very, very simple, but very, very clever. And they say that that, that that model of that experiment that he did still sits in a museum somewhere and it still testifies to the truth that life must come from pre-existing life. <coughs> Evolution would claim that man and this world are evolving into something better while it's true that our technologies are better and are made living more comfortable. This doesn't change the fact that our environment is going downhill and that man's depraved nature is becoming even more pronounced even as we uh, live now in, the, in the, uh, the second millennium, 2023. Uh, <clears throat> I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 5 where the Bible says that the thought, at that time, just before the flood, when God was going to bring judgment upon it, that the, the thoughts of every man's heart was only to do evil continually. And all you have to do is step outside your door and you can look at the things that are going on in this world that is getting more wicked and wicked and wicked. The reason we see so much suicide and so much violence <coughs> and... Uh, anti-God activity is because of the teachings of evolutionary humanism in our schools and colleges and in our homes. As people expose themselves to everything that you see virtually on the television set, videos and so on, is all about hopelessness. In the end, we're going to look at this real quick, just a bit. Okay, so when somebody asks you about, about this and the revolution don't work, ask them how that they can justify life coming from dead things. Dead things, the definition of death is no life. <clears throat> matter, they, they suppose that matter has the inherent capability of organizing itself. This is a falsehood beyond very, very basic chemical reactions like like if rain falls on some, uh, some limestone, it will form a very, very dilute sulfuric acid that will eventually wear down on the stone and so on over time. But there is nothing in nature that can account for. Remember we, we, we saw that in that film about how, how intricate and how complicated that DNA molecule, you got, four, you got three or four feet of DNA in each one of your little cells that programs it to know what to do to re replicate itself in the organs of your body. <clears throat> it's ludicrous to imagine that that could happen by chance, yet these people, that's what they posit and that's what they put their faith in. Um, <clears throat> the law of cause and effect goes hand in glove with, with the uh, the biogenetic law, that life must come from pre-existing life. And that's where the law of cause and effect falls in. Sometimes, um, sometimes people will come up with the, uh, they'll say, what came first, the chicken or the egg? They said, well, the, the 
chicken came first. Well, you can't have a chicken without an egg. Well, where did the, the first egg come? It came from the chicken and so on. You go round and round and round. Uh, ultimately, there had to be something that, that, that brought that chicken into existence. Evolution has no, uh, no, no clue for that. They say sometime, someplace in time that chicken wasn't a chicken, it was something else. It might have been a, down the line, it was a frog or it was an amphibian or something, or it came up from the result of the organization of molecules a billion years ago. And you got a chicken. Well, <clears throat> the Bible doesn't support that. It shows God as creator. If you got your book there, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. <clears throat> God gave the formula. Oh, probably it was it, it, Moses gave the law in about 1446 B.C., so almost uh, 3,500 years ago. God wrote this, and he wanted us to know exactly how that he brought about and how he sustained life. Because the, the first law of thermodynamics says that in ordered states, creation no longer exists. God is not creating anymore except special creation. He can perform miracles and so on. He can do whatever he wants. But in the natural world, there is no new things being brought under the sun. Remember from Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 11, I think it is. Well, it says in Exodus or Genesis 1:11, and God said that first phrase shows that God had a purpose. And then when you look at the last phrase of that verse, it says, "And it was so that which God purposes gets done." Okay. It says, "Then the earth brought forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after after his kind, whose seed is in itself." upon the earth, and it was so. Okay, <clears throat> this phrase, after his kind, simply means this. That's the bara min, the created kind. So you can get all kinds of cats. You can get ones like my, uh, my uh, Lynx Point uh, uh, Jasmine. You can get uh, Siamese cats. You can get tortoiseshell cats, you can get all, you, you can, from whole family of cats, you can get tigers and lions and so on. But the, what it says there, the created kind, it means there is a fixity. There is no evolution. Cats cannot become dogs. Dogs cannot become cats. You don't want that, do you? You love Fifi and Fido the way they are. That's important because the genetic drift, genetic drift, can only go so far. The, gen, the genes in the, the cells of those animals, they have, the, they have the information to make all kinds of different cats, but only cats. Evolution says that, that, that creatures can become something more. That, that's the whole thing behind the humankind right now, that mankind is getting better. We're getting smarter. We're getting more uh, good looking, you know, look at us, you know. We're not. The, the, the flesh is, is still the same as the flesh that, that Adam walked in after the fall. Man can't ever become anything more than he is right now. A depraved, sinful creature, creation of God that needs a Savior. <clears throat> okay. I forgot to look at what time I started. Okay, and so the law of cause and effect law allows that there is an uncaused first cause, and that is God. That solves the whole problem about the matter of origins of life. The origin of all energy and all power came from an all-powerful, all, the wisdom that's known and the, and the, the teaching and preaching of the, of the truth it all came from God. An all-knowing God was able to formulate. Can you imagine what it took? They're still trying to study and figure out how, how one little simple-celled creature operates and works. And God made, the, they say that the, the, the human eye itself is more complex than anything that, God is there, that man has ever made and ever will make. He knew how to do that. 
because of his, his knowledge and who he uh, is an essential being. Okay, the effects of evolution upon society. Now this is very important because when you understand the mindset of the people that you're working with, then you can, you can understand and it'll help you to be able to give an answer to them, to be able to give some hope to them perhaps that, that or you can shake their hope or their faith in what they put their trust in for, for time and eternity. In his book, Wild Things, William Provine made the following statements. He said, if evolution slash natural selection is true, there is no existence of a personal God. We know better. They believe there could be a pantheistic God, a force, the force be with you. I never saw one of those shows, but I heard about it. And the yin and yang principle, good and evil struggling forever. But no personal God that you can know or knows you. There is no free will. Man is simply a, a slave to his environment and his uh, sensual self. There is no life after death. Well, God, we're created in the image of God and we have an immortal soul. That's one of the things they want to, evolutionists want to do away with. That means you have no responsibility. You can just as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Uh, it says that there are no immutable moral laws. They posit that because they suppose that plants and animals and people evolve and change, then, then society and its laws and, and government and so on, they can evolve and change too. <clears throat> and that, that allows them to, to negate some of the good laws and rules that, that God has set up. Uh, they now sanction they used to say uh, that you can't legislate morality. That's what you, that's, that, well, I can't go in that way, but you, they legislate immorality today and all the time. Uh, there's a sanctioning of abortion, the murder of babies, homosexuality, drinking, gambling, drug use. They're all legalized by the state because they say that it's, it's okay to go and do that. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, I better not go into that. Okay, and fact, lastly, there's no ultimate meaning to life. And so, yeah, case sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see, case sera, sera. Well, <clears throat> you see, what those things bring forth into the mind of people, many, many people, it, it brings about hopelessness and despair. Because, you know, <laughs> We're spiritual beings. And people are, are, they're trying to, many people are trying to figure out where we came from, uh, what we're, you know, what are we here for, and where we're going. What happens when we die? Well, what evolution seeks to do is to put away any responsibility or any worry about judgment time, about God or responsibility, and have been very, very effective in doing it. <clears throat> and so, when you, it, it, it's no wonder that we see people going into schools and, 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 and shooting up uh, <coughs> teachers and students and friends. It doesn't make any difference to them. Life means nothing. Their own life doesn't mean nothing. And <clears throat> to me, it's all, it's, you know, people think, this is how foolish and how uh, damning this teaching is. Those people oftentimes will commit such horrible, horrible crimes and then they'll take their own life and they send themselves right to hell. Why? Because they have no hope for anything in this existence and they don't believe there is one after this. That's something you can, you, can, you can start to lay on people uh, to make them get thinking about the truth uh, that's out there in, uh, in, to and from God. Okay, we're going to look at uh, some other things here. <clears throat> we're going to look at the three P's of evolutionary doctrine. First of all, it's pervasive. Pervasive simply means that it's 
It's widespread and everywhere. I looked up uh, Webster's Dictionary uh, definition. It defines the word pervasive as passing through the whole extent of a thing. So from sea to shining sea and border to border, I don't know what the percentage would be, but it, it's probably 90 plus percent people believe in, in the doctrine of evolutionary humanism or theistic evolution, which is also a falsity. There's a lot of so-called Christians and there's seminaries and colleges that are teaching that uh, theistic evolution, that God just some, sometime or other came into existence like that force, you know, and he stirred the cosmic stew pot and out came this, you know, this matter and stuff, and then he kind of pushed it along and moved it and then just stand back and watch it happen. No, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, <coughs> um, let's see, the, I lost it, that figures. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, remember, and God said, so that things which are seen, that's the things in existence now, were not made of things which do appear. That there wasn't pre-existing matter that God just organized and then made everything with. No, he made everything. In the beginning, God created time, space, and matter. Everything that's in this existence. Okay, so it's pervasive and it's, it's spread all through society. Um, the rich, the poor, the least educated, the most educated, Probably the most educated are the ones that have been most heavily drawn into the doctrines of, of uh, evolutionary humanism. Because it's been taught to them from almost now from cradle to the, the time that they're writing their PhD, PhD dissertations that, <clears throat> that evolution is, is a fact. They will posit it off now uh, as a law. It's no longer looked upon in, in secular society as being a theory of, the theory of evolution, which it is, because it's, un, it's unobservable, it's unprovable. Creationism is a, is a theory, too, because nobody ever saw it, nobody saw it working except God and the angels. And he gave us this to tell us about it, but, he, but he's not, he doesn't stand on the street corner telling us about it, okay? So, <clears throat> people today are being held in the, the clutches of Satan in this, in this hopeless situation and spiritual existence. It's also a persuasive doctrine. <clears throat> Not only am I a bad speller, I'm a bad printer too, a writer. I can't help it. <laughs> I just can't help it. Okay. The uh, persuasive nature is seen in the way that the masses have blindly accepted this belief system. What do you, what do you, you know, I thought of this, what do you, what do you really expect though? Most of the world's people are lost. If they've no, heard about God, they really don't care about him. The whole thing about, about in the beginning God created the heaven and earth is that makes mankind um, that God is our sovereign and he has the right to rule over reign of everything that in his creation. That includes every person in existence, then and now and forever. And most people don't like that. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to have any thoughts about anything greater than them. Many atheists mock Christians who by faith hold to little interpretation of the Bible regarding man's origin and regarding it as a too large a step of faith to be accepted. When really, when you think about it, it's an even greater step of faith to believe the teachings of evolution because you see that they're not scientifically proven, they're not observable, but they're, we're going to see that they're appealing to people because it, it allows them to forget about God and, and responsibility. And again, case sera, sera, eat, drink, and be merry. We go through life, get all the goodies you can, live life, 
and live, live long and prosper. Can't do that. That's the, that's the, the, the damning theory of evolution. What the theory of evolution has done is to provide an appealing alternative to his divine origin. It allows his conscience, it allows individual's conscience to shrug off his responsibility to our sovereign Lord God, to accept the chains of a hopeless, but nonetheless sensually appealing belief system. And every, everything, anytime you see an ism, evolutionism, it means a belief system. Even atheists have a belief system. They believe there is no God. Well, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The last one that we're going to look at is that it's, uh, we'll try to do a little better here. <coughs> it's pernicious. Pernicious. This word comes from, um, from a root word that, that, that implies something that's dead, like a dead body. It makes a difference what you believe about origins. It makes a difference what you believe about eternity and the destiny of your soul. For the lost person, they're headed straight to hell and they're gonna die the second death, they're gonna die the physical death, being dead already spiritually, they're going to be ushered into the fires of hell because they believed a lie of evolution. <clears throat> First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so all those things... They stack up to, to help us to, uh, to explain uh, the mindset and, and how this insidious doctrine works to enslave people, to keep them in that snare of the devil. The lost person is in that snare from the moment in time that they come to the age of accountability. You understand? There's going to be a bottom line drawn in your life, no matter how old, or how, how, how old you live or how young you die. That's why it's, it's, if you're going to escape the fires of hell, you're going to have to get out from under the, the deadly teachings of evolutionary humanism. You can help people to do that. You can give them the truth. You can bring them to the light. You can show them where the holes appear in their, in their goddamning doctrine Hold up the book in the Bible and show how that line by line and, and verse by verse. You know, we looked at Genesis 1.11. I didn't even get into in truth about how the DNA works. God knew about that. He, he was explaining it 3,500 years ago. Marvelous. It's incredible. There is so much in this book. There's a, there's a good, good study. If you ever, one thing good about it, if you ever read through your Bible, from cover to cover, uh, take some notes and note every place where God references himself as creator, you'll be amazed. Especially in the book of Isaiah, everywhere he talks about himself as creator. He wants to be known as our creator in God and sovereign Lord. Evolution once in place conditions society and the individuals in it to receive and indeed to expect constant change at all levels, scientific, moral, social, and governmental. Self becomes the, termin the determinator of reality or relativity. Well, relativity is what, in reality, is what a person decides that it is. Judges 21, verse 25 sums this up very well. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that, can, that, that has some deep and far-reaching uh, possibilities. That allows the, the Hitlers and the Stalins and the, and the uh, Vladimir Putins to work their evil work in this world to them. It's just a, 
it's a, a, not a matter of conscience to them. It's right in their eyes. They can justify anything because the doctrine of evolution says it doesn't make any difference what happens to you or your life or anybody else. We're just started from pond scum, and that's all we'll ever be. God knows better. You're, the, God wants you to know that you are a special creation of God and that he knows you as a, as a personal God and he wants to know you to know him as your personal God and Savior. <clears throat> okay, Satan's work in fostering evolution. This all started, you know, when, uh, when uh, <clears throat> in Ezekiel chapter 18, in Isaiah chapter 14, it talks about how Lucifer was the, the brightest of all angels, uh, the, the smartest, the most wise. He was at the right hand of God. He was more powerful. He was the second only to God. But that wasn't enough. In Ezekiel 28, 15, God spoke of Lucifer, who became the fallen angel, Satan the fallen angel. It says, he, who, Thou wast perfect <coughs> in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in him. <coughs> it, it evidently, and I think it was because in the back of his mind that, that, that Lucifer, Satan, did not believe that God created him. He might have believed that he was just spontaneously generated, just, just showed up just on his own. Uh, but you know what happened? God kicked him out of heaven, and then he, and he hated God for that, and he then turned his attention to the first couple, Adam and Eve. Remember, he came to them and he tempted them. He went to Eve, and he tempted her, and, and, he, and, um, and he said you could... Well, Genesis 3, 5 says, For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, that fruit. You see, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the biting in of that fruit that did it. It was the choice that Adam and Eve made to say no to God and to believe Satan. The day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's. Knowing good and evil. Well, they had only known good, and after that they would know both good and evil. <clears throat> so, God, he came to them and he, he dangled that hook out in front of Adam and Eve. You could be like God. If you just take that fruit and you eat that of that tree. Well, I'll tell you what, that's what the world wants you to do. It wants you to eat its fruit. It wants you to take it in. It wants you to chew on it. It wants you to make it a part of yourself and being. There's nothing good in this flesh. There's nothing good outside this flesh except it be of God. And I often wonder, is it possible that Cain fell into the same trap that his parents did in believing the lie of Satan? That caused him to kill his brother. Remember, he couldn't get at God, but he got killed his God-loving brother. The teaching of evolutionary doctrine in our public and private schools um, now is an established fact. When uh, Darwin published his book in 1859, he had a protagonist, or he had an advocate in a man by the name of Thomas Huxley, and he became known as Darwin's bulldog in how aggressively that he promoted the teaching, the truth of Darwin's book, Natural Selection. And it, 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 it is so sad to see how, how people glommed onto that. Theologians, you read about them, they, they were looking for something to take away. They didn't have to, uh, they could denigrate the, the, the literal interpretation of the Bible. Gap theory, steady state theory, blah, 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 blah. All, all because most of those preachers in those pulpits and those false religions, they were lost as rocks. They didn't want to have any moral, spiritual responsibility and truth. Yeah. Well, 
In America, there was a man by the name of Asa Gray. He was Darwin's bulldog here in the United States of America. He was a biology teacher at Harvard University, then, then as now one of the most respected schools in, in the country. He set forth so aggressively in teaching there in Harvard and in influencing other, um, other colleges and other professors that by 1870, 1859, 1870, just a, a decade, most of the leading universities in the country had followed suit and were teaching the doctrines of uh, evolution. Natural selection was then the means that they could justify saying they came from something other than God. And in due time, it, uh, <coughs> it filtered down. Those are the, those, uh, the colleges trained, the, 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 the college teachers, and the college teachers trained the high school teachers, and, the, and, the, and they teach the grade school teachers, and they are even teaching uh, evolution and millions of years of Earth, the little kids sitting there in kindergarten and twos and threes, teaching them to do their color books. And yeah, Johnny, this was, you know, uh, five or 10 million years ago. Sowing seed, sowing seed, so dangerous. You know very, very well, they say that, that, that uh, half of the information that, a, that an individual ever learns, they learn by the time they're five years old. That's not what I said, that's what the, that's what the psychologists and so on say. So I remember, I remember very well when I was in high school that in taking biology, that they, they, they taught us about the, uh, the geologic column and they were teaching us about the theory of molecules to man. And so what they did, they, and I wish I had, I almost thought I wish I had done this on PowerPoint. I could have showed you some of these uh, really nice they're just beautiful, beautiful. They've done charts and so on that show, okay, um, in the, a billion years ago, we'll set this as the timeline of one billion years. And you had, you started out as some one-celled animals, and then you had some uh, uh, mollusks, you had clams and stuff. That's not even, you know. And then you had, you had, uh, uh, you had the armored fishes, and then you had regular fishes, and then you had mammals, and then you had uh, the simians came about, and uh, apes came about, and then finally the, at the top of the pile, then you had man. Well, <clears throat> I just saw a video done by one of the creation outfits. One of the things that they'll come to you is, is that um, scientists have found out that, that man's DNA, the ape DNA and man's DNA are only, only 98% or 99%, it's the same. <clears throat> this, this was started out in the 1970s, 1980s. This became, that idea became the gold standard as they, went, as they were looking at, started doing this DNA research. Okay, the man that was doing this was a creationist, and he said that now today with the technology, the technology we're using is very, very, you know, poor compared to what they have now. They have very, very good technology now. This man did some surveys, and they're able now to not just look at little pieces like this, you know, here's man stuff, man just, you know, and, and say, oh, 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 that's the same. No, now they're looking at big chunks like this. Ape DNA. Man's DNA. This man, this creationist, he came up with the fact that 84%, it's only like 84%. That's, a, that, you know, that's, that's pretty profound. And here was the significant thing. There was also a paper just printed by a secular geneticist. You know what he came up with? He said that man's DNA and ape DNA is only 84% similar. That man did some good science. Uh, that's another thing. If they throw that in your face, to tell them it, it, it's, it's false doctrine. And it, it, stuff like that is held out there. And it, 
it goes nowhere. And so then they would say that over time, you know, the, uh, <coughs> we, we went from all these different um, uh, changes, fish and amphibians and so on, until we became more advanced. Well, then they also had the geologic column when they had, they had the same thing, they'd say, well, it's, it's one billion years old, and you've got these, these rocks in the sedimentary layers. Uh, I think it's 70% of the Earth's uh, surface mountains are sedimentary rock laid down from the flood. <clears throat> so they would say perhaps, okay, this was a billion years ago. It took, uh, took 800 a uh, million years to get to this fish. So th these are like uh, 200 million years ago. So here comes some dude, and this is, this is present time, say, up here. Here comes some dude, and he gets a... He finds a fossil in this rock, and... and uh, he wants to know, you know, how long, when was that laid down? When was that put there? Well, they go over here and look at this. Well, it must have been 200 million years ago. So this, this rock was, you know, this fish, this rock was 200 million years old. Well, how do they know that? Well, <clears throat> they could take a look at this and then they would say, well, uh, what they do is they end up dating the fossils <coughs> by the rock and the rock by the fossils. You see there, because all these all these uh, time spans is just it's just arbitrary. It's called it's what's called a tautology or circle reasoning, because it, it's all just supposed uh, supposed information. The fossils. Uh, the fossil, the fossil, this is the genetic, uh, the ontogeny. This is the, how they say that man progressed from molecules to man, okay? <laughs> At one time, but so then they will say, well, this fossil has to be this old because during this period of man's, man's cycle, that this is, this is where they were, well. I didn't explain it very well, but the idea is that it's, it's a foolish system. It's all based on supposition, and it just doesn't get anywhere. I want to take us one more thing. Uh, people will tend to justify the long ages of the earth. They say, well, you know, um, they say, well, you know, there's, there's ways, you know, I mean, the fossils just, just are, are just like they are. They're found in the rock and so on. But what about radiometric dating? They can, rock, they can date rocks that they know are billions of years old. How do they, you know, and so the earth has to be long. So, you know, anything could have happened in all that time. So, you know, why worry about it? Well, radiometric dating... <coughs> I'll just have to make this real short because it, uh, basically, it's, radiometric dating is not a, is not a, a, a measurement of, of age, but it's a, it's a measurement of the rate of decay of, of parent to daughter isotopes. You've probably heard of the uranium lead, U-238. To lead 206. Between between these between from this radioactive isotope to a stable element, there's 13 steps where it goes through different elements: thorium, bismuth, lead 2016, and then lead 2010, 210, and then finally to lead 206. They know the rate at, at which these things decay. They have a half-life, billions and billions, uh, sometimes millions of years, okay? <clears throat> but the thing is, 
there are factors uh, that they, for instance, they assume that when, when that rock came out of the basalt, that came out of the magma, it, was, it didn't have any of this material in it. They assume that there was nothing that contaminated it since it was brought into being and so on. But this is the, this is the, all this, you don't even have to know about that. What you need to know and understand is, is that known magmatic materials of known origin, like in Mount Kilauea, you know, over our friendly neighbor there in Hawaii, they know that there was a lava flow between 1800 and 1801, and using various, using different methods, there's also potassium, argon, strontium, rubidium, and so on, different ways that they could test, they found that those Lot, that those rocks were from, see, what was it? It was 800 million to 1 billion years old. Because they, weren't, because they were just measuring what was just in the rocks that, that came up out of the earth. They can measure that very accurately, but it doesn't give any kind of reflection about the actual age of the earth. But, but that's what they will try to use to justify old ages. <clears throat> and when, it's the same thing with carbon-14. Uh, we won't have time to go there. <clears throat> I guess I better quit. I probably beat you up enough. But you know, just remember, First Timothy 6, 20, it says, O Timothy, keep, keep that which is committed unto thy trust, and avoid profane and vain babbling oppositions of science falsely so-called. If somebody ever comes to you and talks to you about some of these things and, and say that you believe in evolution, well, it's not good science. Point out to them that biogenetic law, point out to them the law of cause and effect, point out to them that radiometric dating doesn't work and there is no justification for the long ages of the earth. Okay. I would call for questions, but I'll just turn it over to Pastor Demo. Thank you.